Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this latest version of uh, Tales, Tales from Outer Space, where I take an HFY story from somewhere around the internet and read it aloud for your enjoyment. All the relevant links are down below. Like, subscribe, and all that YouTube comf to help this video and channel grow. Anyways, as always, I hope that you enjoy. I would just like to thank the following tier 5 patrons and channel members for supporting the channel. Fallen Angel. Buzz Kennington, Data Magnet, and Bob the Dragon. Thank you again, and now on to the story. Story number one, large-scale engineering, written by C-SPAN. When a human registered corporation purchased the mining and development rights for mineral-rich soda system in the backwaters of the galaxy, it was so unremarkable that the only person who noticed was an underpaid and overworked programmer who happened to be doing an internal audit of some purchasing algorithms at the time. He was 10 hours into his 8-hour shift and his eyes skipped past the 14-digit system identifier in order to look at other, more relevant information. When said corporation began moving large amounts of mineral extraction and refinery equipment to said system, it was noticed by several intelligence agencies, both governmental and corporate. Nobody thought anything was amiss about the operation, but the machinery in question could potentially be used to make warships. The people the intelligence agencies work for like to know locations of warships, even if said warships were only theoretical. No less than four intel gathering telescopes were dispatched by competing intelligence agencies to monitor the equipment. A procedure so routine it was entirely automated. All large concentrations of industrial equipment were monitored this way. The industrial equipment in question wasn't being used to make warships, so they really needn't have bothered. Instead, it was making something far more interesting. Dyson Spheres Long a favorite topic of particularly idealistic science fiction writers were a terrible idea. Even ignoring the litany of engineering challenges involved with encasing an entire stellar body in an artificial edifice, it was still a terrible idea for one simple reason. When you enclose a star, every single joule of energy that star outputs has to be used or otherwise dealt with, and the total energy consumption of every single known sentient species amounted to slightly less than one-third of the output of a medium-sized star. Compounding that issue is the fact that there is no practical way to transmit energy between solar systems. And even the most industry-rich systems is only ever going to consume a tiny fraction of a percent of the energy output of a host star. Nothing anyone had ever built needed that much energy. And besides, if you needed energy, you could always build a fusion reactor. If you needed more energy, you could build a bigger fusion reactor or install a Dyson Swarm. There was absolutely no practical reason to build a Dyson Sphere. As such, it took a while for anyone to notice that a human megacorporation was building a Dyson Sphere. The algorithms driving the Intel telescopes were tailored to look for warships, not megastructures. They looked at the partially completed sphere, did the computer equivalent of a shrug, and flagged it as a large structure purpose unknown. 
Pretty much anything big and lacking obvious engines got flagged as large structure purpose alone. And data analytics teams were always perpetually understaffed. So it took an embarrassing amount of time for someone sentient to look at the data. When they finally did, a lot of construction had already been done. And it was fairly obvious what was being built. At that time, very serious phone calls with very serious people started to be made. And there was a general panic as everyone suddenly gave a lot of attention to what was before regarded as a particularly boring corner of space. It was a very surprising to a lot of engineers that it was the humans who were building a Dyson Sphere. Humans were good engineers by anyone's metric, but they weren't the best. Xeno psychologists pointed out that humans generally had a great deal of pride and engaging in a massive pointless vanity project simply to prove that they were in fact the best engineers was entirely plausible. This theory was lent credence by the fact that according to any known economic analysis, the Dyson Sphere was a massive waste of money and resources. When asked why so much time and money was invested in what any sensible person would agree was a waste of time, a corporate representative said, Oh, you know, reasons. An answer that everyone agreed was entirely unsatisfactory. When independent investigations were conducted into what exactly was going on at the Dyson Sphere, several concerning facts came to life. Part of the outer surface of the Dyson Sphere had been converted into a massive manufacturing plant, making everything from toothpaste to thermonuclear warheads. When asked why it was deemed necessary for such an industry to be on a Dyson Sphere instead of on a planet, a corporate representative simply responded, future-proofing, and refused to elaborate. This was concerning to industrialists and economists alike, as an absolutely enormous factory popping up in the middle of nowhere promised to wreak havoc on trade routes. What was significantly more concerning to a lot more people was the planet-melting super-laser that the humans had decided to put on their Dyson Sphere. It was pointed out that due to the limitations of light speed, said planet-melting laser would likely only begin to melt planets long after any conflict actually ended, rendering the whole thing rather pointless. This fact did very little to reassure anyone at all. When asked why the enormous complex and largely useless planet-melting super-laser was built in the first place, a corporate representative simply shrugged and said, It seemed like the kind of thing we should do in this situation. It just felt right. At this point, people were beginning to suspect that the corporate representatives were being deliberately obtuse, although many humans otherwise unaffiliated with the project also agreed that a planet-melting super-laser did seem like a good thing to build. A small group of xenopsychologists believed that the desire to build a planet-melting super-laser was simply part of the human psyche, right along with the desire to eat or reproduce. The theory was dismissed by the larger community, but not quite as vehemently as it once would have been. Somewhat surprisingly, there was something even more concerning than the giant death ray that the humans had decided to build. And it was that, as far as anyone could figure out, almost all of the energy output of the star was not being used. According to every calculation, the Dyson Sphere and everything on it should be nothing more than a cloud of hot gas. 
This suggested two possibilities. One, humans had figured out a way to massively scale down the energy output of a star. Two, the energy output of the star was being used in a way that was undetectable by any outside observer. Both prospects were terrifying, though in different ways. When asked where all the excess energy was going, a corporate representative declined to comment. End of story. Story number two. Economics of Scale. Written by C-SPAN. The Dyson Sphere, the single largest structure built by anyone ever. When it was first completed, there was a general fear within most sentient creatures that the humans had created some new great and terrible weapon. As a result, the Dyson Sphere was regarded with a healthy mixture of fear and respect. But as time passed, that fear dwindled to suspicion, which dwindled to curiosity. Thirty years after the completion of the sphere, nobody really cared about it anymore. It was just that mysterious thing that the humans had built, because they were humans. And they did weird things sometimes. Only conspiracy theorists and people in positions of great power dedicated any serious effort to uncovering the mysteries of the Dyson Sphere anymore. The reason the conspiracy theorists were invested was obvious. The Dyson Sphere was big, strange, built in relative secrecy, and seemed to violate several well-established laws of physics. In other words, perfect conspiracy theory material. The reason powerful people were invested was slightly less obvious, but it basically boiled down to the fact that the Sphere was something that they could neither understand nor control and powerful people hated things that they couldn't understand or control. So over the course of three decades, amateur and professional spying attempts were undertaken, and revealed several interesting facts. The Dyson Sphere was actually much larger than it strictly needed to be. Analysis suggested that it could have a star twice as large as the one as it contained. In fact, the sphere appeared to be overbuilt in every capacity even considering the titanic forces involved and the timescale of the project, things were simply sturdier than they needed to be. It was baffling, but not quite as baffling as the fact that the sphere did not, in fact, use all of the output of the star. Only a tiny fraction of the energy harvested was put to use, with the rest being stored in enormously complex and incredibly energy-dense batteries. While this was very technologically impressive, it made little sense as a long-term solution, and seemed to directly contradict with the otherwise overbuilt and long-lasting nature of the sphere. Many theories were put forth to explain these oddities, but all had serious flaws. Since all but the most paranoid had basically completely forgotten about the Dyson Sphere, It came as a great surprise to the vast majority of sentience when it did several very dramatic things very quickly. The first sign anything was amiss was the complete and total evacuation of the system. While this wasn't very hard, as much of the industry on the sphere was automated, it was noteworthy in that it had never been done before and was a harbinger of the things to come. First, the Dyson Sphere opened, Nobody knew the Dyson Sphere could open, 
and new suites were plastered in with images of the massive structure unfolding in an almost organic fashion, which is why everyone had a great view when the sphere started to move. The planet melting superlaser, in addition to having the capabilities to melt planets, could apparently also act as the largest thruster ever made, propelling the sphere to an orbit of moderate distance to the host star. Then the Dyson Sphere closed again, spiraling inward in the reverse of its form of motion. Then it sat there for three months. Corporate representatives remained tight-lipped about the whole endeavor, often declining requests for comment or providing vague statements that basically amounted to, you'll see. Finally, just as public attention was starting to waver, the Dyson Sphere went and changed course of history. The Dyson Sphere began to spin, faster and faster until it seemed as if it was going to break apart. Just as it looked as though it was going to become history's largest shrapnel grenade, the sphere disappeared and reappeared instantly halfway across the galaxy. Keen observers noted that the Dyson Sphere had left behind a small, distorted region of space. It would later be discovered that an identical region was present in the system that the sphere had moved to. These two regions of space were inextricably linked in a way that even the brightest mind struggled to understand, let alone explain. The effect, however, was simple. Whatever passed into one region would instantly emerge from the other, no matter how far apart. The Dyson Sphere had created a wormhole. To properly understand the ramifications of such or what had happened, one needs to have a basic understanding of how transport works on a galactic scale. While faster-than-light communications can reach anywhere in the galaxy instantaneously, hauling mass from one system to another takes significantly more time. While exact transit times depend on cargo mass, drive rating, and willingness to bribe port authorities, the general consensus is that it takes about five years to get from one end of the civilization to another. Each system acted as a lot like the continents of old days, largely self-sufficient with only luxury or high-technology goods imported. Instantaneous travel would change all of that, allowing systems to become independent in a way that simply wasn't possible before. Every single industry would feel at least some of the impact. It was a total paradigm shift. Suddenly, everything the humans had been doing made sense. The enormous cost of the Dyson Sphere was more than accounted for by being the forerunners of the transport revolution. All of the energy stored over the decades was released almost instantly to create the wormhole in a process that was previously deemed unfeasible due to the sheer energy costs involved. The human corporation had taken a massive gamble in the design and construction of the sphere, and nearly bankrupted themselves in the process. The gamble had paid off spectacularly, but the factory on the surface of the sphere was both a stop-loss measure and a way to jumpstart industry in whatever new system the sphere traveled to. The sphere was so large and overbuilt because it was intended to encircle multiple different stars, some of which would be larger and more powerful than the first. Every baffling design decision, every nonsensical economic choice, 
they were all put into context of a new reality and found to make total sense. The corporation responsible for the sphere, as well as humanity in general, felt rather vindicated by the whole affair. History would paint them in a favorable light, and what amounted to a roll of the dice would be framed instead as incredible foresight. But the humans didn't rest on their laurels. Almost immediately after their success in the first sphere, others started to be built. Wormhole travel was the way of the future, and humanity was eager to see the future bloom. A new galactic era had begun. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.